Greetings, glorious humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And I am Jared. The beautiful, the magnificent, the magnanimous. JM. No, you. <laughs> nah. How you living, Jared? I, I am living, despite all my uh, best efforts. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. Your continued failure at yeah, self-eradication, yeah, please. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, how's the pups? Good. Down to three. So. Down to three? Getting a lot out, but now they're getting big enough that, you know, they're less, but so much more energy yeah. and learning to dig holes outside the fence, so that's fun. Oh, nice. Um, Good. Yeah, so... But hopefully we'll do another little push to, I'm hoping by the end of this week, get them out of there. But yeah, it's been gonna... a great response from the community to get 10. So yeah, that's, <laughs> hoping that's we fantastic. can do these last couple of dogs. Are you keeping any of them or are you just sending them all on their way? Keeping the mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. Good job. Crazy. Nice. If you had time for any video games. Played a bit of uh, the Super Mario RPG remake. Oh, um, nice. Kind of in between there, yeah. So that's been fun. Um, nice. But that, I mean, that's about it, honestly. Nice. Lovely. That's fun. Is it? Is it good? Does it hold up? Yeah, yeah. Did you play the original at all? Yeah, I played the original. I loved it. Yeah, uh, then you, when it came you like out. it. Okay, it's, cool. It's the same. It's just, um, you know, like a, a whole nice coat of paint and a lot of really cool um, quality of life stuff. Um, you know, like being able to warp wherever you've already been so you don't have to nice. do a lot of backtracking and stuff like that oh, yeah, yeah. L- lots of charm lots of fun nice lovely what you've been playing anything fun uh i've been since we had the week off i've just been organizing my house mostly uh which actually ended up being really nice um i really was happy about doing that but i've been playing the spider-man games on playstation i went back to play the first one again nice um and then a bit of Lethal Company, which is uh, mm-hmm. which is very silly. Have you seen it? Do you know about that one? Yeah, yeah. I want to play it. Oh, we should. We should mm-hmm. play it. Um, but yeah, uh, that's been about it. So it's been, um, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. You got a week off? What the fuck? <laughs> did you not get a week off? <laughs> well, I mean, in the same way you did, but I had never been more busy in that week. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, with, with work stuff? Um, no, not with, not with Devolver oh, work stuff, okay. but which just all kinds of other things and dogs. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, time off. I'm like, who got time off? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I got busy doing other things for sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, organizing the house and all that stuff. Jared. Yes. I don't know how to segue this conversation into our topic. Oh yeah. Well, I'm... you now you've drawn attention to it that I don't know to either. We're just, are we going to have to make this segue or this lack of a segue the segue? I think we're going to have to make a meta segue. What even is a segue, really, when you think wow. about it? Jared, yeah. that's a great question. You know, mm. a real, a real, as they call in the business, a real thinker. Mm-hmm. 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 If only we had anyone around who was in the business of chewing on deep philosophical questions... Like maybe maybe folks that that write for the Talos Principle too, or in the original Talos Principle as well, Jared. Do you ever think about that, Jared? I, we won't find the answer at anybody at Devolver, that's for sure. No, no. <laughs> so we'll have clowns to. and clods, all of us. 
maybe if we had Jonas and uh, Verena Kiratsis on the show, uh, they could answer some of our deep philosophical questions, like what is a segue? That sounds like a great idea. We should, we should, we should do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what is a segue, guys? What is a segue? <laughs> well, the answer to your question was within the meta segue all along. <gasps> oh, oh uh, my god, <laughs> dude, this guy's good. That was <laughs> nice. I mean, making saying things that only sound profound is usually Tom Joubert's job, but he's not here, so I have to do it for him. No. <laughs> Love you, Tom. Sorry. <clears throat> I, I wish I could say something incredibly profound, but I have to admit that up until like half a year ago, I thought that Segway and, you know, Segway, the other the thing that you write on was the same thing. So I'm really oh not qualified to answer this. Bringing up the, same the thing? They might fundamental be the same failure thing. <laughs> of language <laughs> to encapsulate true ideas. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Hella deep. Yeah, we're very profound here. Damn. Mad profound. Hi, how y'all doing? <laughs> we're good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah, in there. Our game came out. 13 puppies. Oh, you have 13 yeah, puppies. Yeah, 13 puppies. That sounds like a lot of puppies. To, yeah. yeah. Now it's three, Jonas. Haven't you been listening? I know. I have. I have. But I'm trying to imagine 13. Uh, we have six cats. I know. Six. Imagine if we had 13. Oh. <laughs> I have two cats too, so I had two cats on top of well, thirteen puppies and then a mom dog. So that that sounds both <laughs> wonderful and terrifying. Uh, mostly terrifying. Yeah, yeah. mostly terrifying. Speaking but. of wonderful and terrifying, yeah, your game came out. It did, yeah, and and it was and, wonderful and terrifying. Yeah, and and now hopefully I'm, more wonderful I'm, though, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's wonderful. Which I think we're trying to learn how not to be stressed about it now. Um, <laughs> it was first the one and then the other. Yeah, yeah. There were there were two weeks there before it came out where uh, just um, I, I think we were, I, I was ready to just vibrate through solid matter. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it came out, did well. People seem to like it. Um, it's 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 a huge relief. It's mainly the feeling that we have. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Congratulations on your huge relief. Um, yeah, it's been really well received. Everybody's enjoying it. Um, just like the first one. Also wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that, um, despite the, all the ways in which it's different, people still responded to it very strongly. Um, because it was a bit of a risk to make a game that's not just more of the same. Um, but, but it, it paid off and that's why we were so nervous, but it turns out that for the majority of people, um, that that works. Wonderful. Yeah. Would y'all, uh, for the ignorant few who are unaware of what the Talos Principle is and what the Talos Principle 2 is, would you mind telling us what the game is in principle? Um, yeah, so uh, Talos Principle is a, a series now, I suppose, of puzzle games with a... Um, sort of heavy element of uh, storytelling that's oriented towards philosophical questions, but through uh, through character. Um, and uh, yeah, the first one came out almost a decade ago and um, its storytelling was kind of more, uh, it, it required you to kind of dig into its world and figure things out in many ways. And the second one still has that element, but builds on the first one 
and puts you into a world created by the consequences of the ending of the first one. So um, it is a, a wider and richer experience in some ways and a more active one uh, than, than the first one. Uh, so yeah, they're both story-driven puzzle games um, with, a, I would say, well, a, a pretty strong kind of humanist view to them, which is, I think, what makes them different is their, their kind of optimistic attitude towards humanity. Mm. That is nice. Optimism is getting uh, is is hopefully getting more popular these days. There's, uh, there's certainly a lack of it, and and <laughs> hopefully a few people trying to push back. Yeah. Um. Well, why don't you tell us how y'all ended up in this racket? Okay. Where do oh, we start? Um, <laughs> it's, it's complicated. Should, should I should I start this and then you yeah, take you over? Yeah, you start and then I take over when it gets funny. Um, okay, so um, I mean, I started making games a very long time ago. I was making games about twenty years ago or more when I was in my teens. Before there was really an, an indie scene or anything like that, I was making these small freeware games. Um, my first game was three megabytes and it was difficult to find any space to upload it because three whole megabytes, um, uh, that doesn't even fit on a diskette. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was back then. And um, I kind of gradually did more and more of that. I made flash games um, and eventually through one of those flash games, I, I got to know Tom Joubert. Uh, I made this, again, game about artificial intelligence called The Infinite Ocean. And um, I had originally made that in like 2004, and then I made a remake of it. Um, I made a remake of it in Flash in 2010, I think. And then Tom played that, and when uh, Crow Team approached him to write what then became The Talos Principle, he, um, he didn't want to do it by himself. Um, it seemed too big to him. And he reached out to me because he'd really liked my my writing there, and um, I I joined him and and kind of then became part of Crow Team, whereas he kind of moved on. Um, mm -hmm. And before that, I had already made uh, a couple of other games, some you know a, a commercial indie game and so on. And I made some of this with uh, Verena because we actually. <laughs> We actually started writing together quite a long time ago. We met at university, um, started uh, doing stuff together back then. Even before we were a couple, we were writing together. Um, and so then she gradually got pulled into my game making. And from there, is, am, am I telling it correctly, more or less? And yeah. then Sir Sam happened and, and you kind of joined. I mean, you already kind of joined with, Sam, uh, with, uh, with Talos because you did the German translation. Yeah, very, very creative stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, do you want me to take over? Yeah, yeah go you? ahead. Do you? Okay, so so what happened is that um, Crotin wanted Jonas to write CSM 4, and he got a, a brief from them, and um, he didn't entirely know what to do with this. And because nobody ever had bothered to make him sign an NDA, he showed it to me. And, <laughs> um, uh, and I was like, I know how to write this. I looked at it and I, I just knew and I wrote a draft in like three days of the script and then Jonas handed it into to Crow Team saying here's this thing that I wrote 
and they said <laughs> this is funny this doesn't feel like Jonas's usual writing and um and I was there in the office too um because I was just tagging along I knew all the guys at that point and and they kind of all just approached me looking very glumly and they said Jonas told us that you wrote a script for the top for um series <laughs> four and I was like yes yes please don't throw me out of the office um and then they, they kind of hired me that day Nice. Okay, yeah. I mean, so to be fair, just to ex- plagiarism. <laughs> just just yeah. to explain this a little bit, because she tends to exaggerate a little bit for comedic but. effect. The reason I handed it in under my name was so that they wouldn't do. Yeah. So it wouldn't be like, oh, he wants a favor for his wife. But it was like, just mm. read this. Do you like this? Is this is this what you want? Uh, mm. And they were like, no, we like this. Because the thing is, I had written a version which was, I think, pretty good, but it just. It it was maybe in some places a bit not grounded enough and not gritty enough. It was it was hard with that game to find a balance. I mean that whole project was very difficult in in a variety of ways, um, and and we were trying to hit exactly kind of what what they wanted. Um, and uh, and so Verna did a kind of like alternate draft that was grittier, had some different characters, and then we fused those two drafts together for the kind of the final uh, thing and then of course there were a million iterations after that um but it was important not to to do the thing of you know my wife would also like to have a gig here and sure. and that that it was kind of judged like that and the the idea was just can you just judge this as a as a piece of writing yeah you wanted the work to stand for itself yeah yeah and it did nice. um yeah and that I kind mean, of just started that hmm I made it so funny, and then you you come with all your boring facts. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed in you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ruin it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> she writes it. I ruin it. Um, this is too good. That's how marriage works, honey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then y'all were just both part of crow team from there on out so when talos principle 2 came along it was just a cinch to do it that way yeah we were just already we kind of had morphed into the the writing team who does and we do do all the stuff that they need um so it was just kind of natural to continue and um on on talos one i had come up with the kind of core story of the whole thing i had pitched uh, my pitch was the one that the the story was based on ultimately so and i had already thought a lot about two and three at the time so um and, and i already had a lot of ideas so it kind of fell to me to pitch two uh and then we developed it all of us together with uh, tom joubert and, and verna mm-hmm. from there now tom his writing is primarily in the at least in the first game, it's in the console. He he wrote Milton, yes, right? Yes, correct. So if you go up to a computer and you're talking to the computer, that's Tom. That's that's Tom, and uh, quite a few of the QR codes that you can find are also Tom. I did right. some of those as well, but uh, I think he did the majority. And and then there was the free DLC Road to Gehenna. Mm-hmm. How was that? Because that story is almost entirely told through the consoles, but it's a different experience. That's, more that's, that's, that's both of us. Gehenna is, 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 is very mixed between me and Tom. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I can identify which like big chunks are, are me or him, like which of the uh, um, text adventures are, are, mm-hmm. are mine. 
But the threads, for example, with the characters talking, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you um, mm. who wrote what there. Okay, nice. I, I loved that DLC. It was really good. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it, was very, it was very interesting, and it pushed the game in a different direction and also set, um, set the stage, really, for Talos 2 in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. thematically and there's there's a lot of foreshadowing in it and uh, and also just ideas popping up for the first time that we'll we'll use again later nice so you had said you know or er, mentioning the the dlc and you had said earlier like you had had ideas at the time for talos 2 and 3 even so i'm curious how much of that ended up in the actual talos principle 2 um all of it um, it, I mean, the shape, wow. the, the, look, the thing is, the, conceptually, all of it, how exactly you then work it out is, is the thing, right? It's so, so the, the broad outlines of what it was going to be about are, are exactly the same, but it's, um, you know, how exactly the, the details of how it plays out in this world, right? That, that's the, the real meat of it. And, and that, of course, took a lot of working out. Um, who exactly does what, what happened with this character, with that character. But the, the overall outline of what it was going to be about thematically, about the next step in the evolution of the society and kind of what they're struggling with and, and what the decisions are they have to make and, and all of those things and uh, what the puzzles are and what the logic of the puzzles is, that was all, that was all thought out like back then. Cool. Wow, yeah. You kind of have to because, first of all, when you're writing one, you have to think about, okay, but what are we leading to? Like, e even if the player never sees it, you have to think about the implications of what you're writing just so mm -hmm. it's consistent. Um, and, uh, and you know, so you can weave it into the various themes and ideas. And, uh, and then you also kind of want to think about, okay, how, how could we do this? What would make sense thematically if you look at this from a, a bigger picture point of view um what can we even justify like how many games about puzzles can you make where the puzzles make sense uh you know i i i couldn't see making another 10 of these because at some point there's just not going to be any logic to it um and it, it's very important to have a real justification for why all of this is is happening um mm -hmm. so so because of that we had to think about a lot of these things back then and and then, of course, there's a million things that you still need to work out after that. How much... So this is, this is you know, you say these things about, you know, you couldn't justify 10 Talos Principle games because the logic wouldn't hold up and stuff like that. And as you're talking about these things, I'm thinking about the film industry and, I mean, in a lot of the video game industry where, you know, how could we justify profit, of course, you know, like, we don't need this shit to make sense. We don't need it to be coherent. We don't need it to be cogent. Like, as long as, like, people are still buying it, we'll keep shitting it out. And, like, that, what I like is, is it, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it really seems like that you as the writing team have a strong impact on the game and even maybe the... Uh, maybe I'm wrong, it seems implied the puzzle mechanics, the nature of the puzzles, not necessarily the mechanics themselves, but I, I don't know. I, did I misunderstand that? But it feels like you have, it feels like you are part of the team, not just the writer that they needed to get something out the door. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Like we don't define the puzzle mechanics. Obviously that's, you know, that's the, the job of the designers, but 
just for example, the fact that the mechanics are set in the real world this time, that, mm -hmm. that it's mm -hmm. not going to be another simulation, and that has certain consequences in how you depict things, um, that there we do have an influence. And of course, that's also a collective thing, right? So we have meetings with the designers, and we, we say, okay, what does the story need? What does the design need? What, and how do we make sure that both sides are, are equally served in this? Uh, that's, I think, a big part of the challenge of, of writing a game is that if you just do one or the other, you prioritize one too much, then it doesn't really gel. And I think the, the best results are if you, you try to find a solution that works for everyone. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, luckily on Talos 2, that was, that was very much the case. Uh, Verena, did you have something what? else to say? Me? No? no, no, this is all serious stuff. You know that I only do, you know, <laughs> stupid jokes. Okay. Uh, no, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you that. have any stupid jokes about this? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we just we didn't inform the, the puzzle mechanics themselves, but we talked about, for example, a lot about the art style because a lot of thought went into into where we took all the inspirations from in terms of architecture and the mm -hmm. landscapes that are shown. But like that was, as John has said, a you know, collaboration. Yeah. Uh, also, there's the structure of everything, the kind of logic of it. I think yeah. I ended up getting a design credit, actually, um, uh, just because of all those conversations um, and that it, I kind of had to participate in uh, from, from my perspective. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there is, there is some overlap there. I mean, that's wonderful to hear, I guess. I guess it's nice to see a creative endeavor of this scale where... I don't know, narrative and design are, are really intermarried with one another. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. And we didn't strangle Sorry, each I other. Just um, <laughs> no, we had, we had, we had, we had weekly meetings for like three years. And so, yeah. And we did have a couple of close calls. Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> of <Go> course. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you do, you, you know, I mean, three years of meetings, you can have some intense disagreements in places. But mm -hmm. I think sure, yeah. by the end, everything is, is uh, more or less a good. I mean, m more or less has a shape that everyone is happy with. I was just going to make a cheap shot about our marriage, but you, of course, had to answer it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't, I mean, we didn't have it. Did we have huge fights? We probably had some huge fights somewhere. Probably. Over something we don't remember now. Uh, that is a problem when you work together <laughs> and and with writing like one person sees it one way one person sees it the other sometimes that's just impossible to communicate um we both have such demure personalities so uh, uh i'm not so sure that happens when we're writing that's not have you met him <laughs> <laughs> i met you both uh, and uh i was i was attempting a stupid joke <laughs> Uh, sorry. Sorry, it's my first time. I'm new to humor. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm German. That's a hard sell for me. <laughs> yeah. Notoriously unfunny and no philosophers in Germany. So that had to be <laughs> tough. Yeah. No famous German philosophers. Uh, no. no funny ones. Yeah, we anyway. have one, but that, I that's actually funny ones. <laughs> no funny ones. Um, I'm the first one. That's actually, that, that is unfair. That is unfair. Karl Marx but. was actually pretty funny. Um, and I don't mean that sarcastically. He was pretty, pretty mean, but funny. Um, but yeah, not, not a lot of funny German philosophers. Not a lot of German funny anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you wound me. 
Uh, who? I mean, y'all seem like real nerds. Who are the? Uh, who are your inspirations when you when it comes to these kinds of concepts? Or where do you go for these? I mean, the 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 original Talos Principle. I played that game, and there were several pivotal moments that made me like just not even like it, it's it's interesting because they're just they'll just be these like you know dialogues that like happen or voices that that come up and i end up rethinking my concept of what it is to be human mhm mm what are your i guess where do you where do you go to what do you read? What are you into? What are your who are your philosophical heroes kind of thing? So, Werner, do you want to start? Should I start? No, no, you go for it. Go for it because you're gonna have a long list, and then at the end, I'm just gonna say that I enjoy that one sci-fi writer. So, make her go first. <laughs> <laughs> go, well, yeah. I really enjoy the writing of Ian Banks, who was sadly taken from us a while ago, um, and he has this this incredibly. Um, utopian um, world which Jonas will point out is not actually set in the future it's actually set <laughs> somewhere else in this galaxy and we're not aware of it anyway but he has the culture series and that's that's all about you know peaceful coexistence between humans and AIs and it's great and um, I just I really love the um, the hopeful spirit of it and then um, a lot of movies come to mind like uh, this is really a lot funnier if we do it the other way around but you insisted anyway um like uh interstellar um mm. which is a huge inspiration and um a little less known um sunshine by um danny boyle uh also just these movies they have such hope in humanity um mm. and uh one movie that i think is very relevant to the um talus principle too is um tomorrowland which is this Disney okay, this is a movie yeah. based on a Disney theme park ride and you think yeah. it can't mm -hmm. possibly be good, but the central premise of it is is that um uh we have told um so many dystopian narratives, so many nihilistic narratives that um that we can't believe anymore that anything would turn out well and that turns into the self fulfilling prophecy. So that's something that we talked about a lot. Anyway, mm. and now I'll shut up. And Jonas can say all the big philosophical names that he's going to say uh, no i mean what were the <laughs> ian banks stories what? what were the what were the ian banks stories oh they're called um oh. it's called the culture i mean it's a it's a series of books okay. there's like um nine or ten of them yeah they're kind of standalone -y yeah so you, you can read them in any um there are there are two sequence. of them that should be read in order but okay. um anyway uh, start with um what is it called consider phlebus that's the hardest one to read player of games yeah. is easiest for getting into it Consider okay. Phlebas is amazing, but it's brutal and harder to get into. Player of Games is very good for getting into the, the series, I think. Okay. Nice. Um, this is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And they were definitely also an inspiration just for also how they depict the, um, the AIs, which are very human in a way and very funny and interesting and, and occasionally weird. Um, for me, I, I, don't, I don't know where to start with because kind of what makes my writing what it does I think is that there's a huge range of influences and I just kind of take from everything very randomly and um, and kind of try to synthesize it 
Um, so, you know, for, for Talos Principle 1, you'll see that William Blake, the, the poet, is a, is a big influence. In many ways, it's a kind of a retelling of the marriage of heaven and hell. But um, obviously, Carl Sagan, like, I think you see Carl Sagan's fingerprints on every single bit of Talos Principle, certainly in the form of Alexander Drennan, but also in in Byron, in, in Talos too, and in, in so many other things, in, in Cornelius, in how he speaks. There's just so many elements of, of Carl Sagan in there. Like, I'd, I'd make an argument that Carl Sagan was a prophet. Um, mm. he, 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 someone who spoke with such um, incredible beauty about, about human beings mm -hmm. and the cosmos. Uh, so yeah. those are obviously big influences, but there's, you know, there's so many sci-fi writers. There's so many, uh, I mean, philosophers. Um, I'll mention Karl Marx, uh, certainly an influence in terms of um, historical materialism and just trying to understand how does history work and is it possible for human beings to do anything about that or not? Um, that's a question in, in Talos too, a difficult question that I don't have an answer to and it troubles me. Um, uh you know, there's, there's television shows. Babylon 5 is, is an influence always for me. I, I, I love that show to death. I still do um, because it depicts human beings in the context of time and history uh, and kind of making our small individual choices, trying to work together to do something while things happen around us, um, which I think is also something science fiction is, is good at. It's kind of... Uh, almost, yeah, a kind of historical storytelling sometimes, um, and uh, except it's an imagined history. Um, so so there's, there's so many different influences. I'll probably come up with 20 more uh, <laughs> if I think about it now, and they all kind of, I just try to kind of take from all of them. I mean, one thing that I mentioned, a video game influence, um, there's a game called, a Sierra game from the 90s called Rendezvous with Rama, based on the, um, or, no, I think the game is just called Rama, it's based on the Arthur C. Clarke novel and it's uh, somewhat inferior sequels. And um, that's about an expedition to a you know big mysterious object in space. And I played that in the 90s and I was like, I love this idea of an expedition and having others with you and trying to figure things out. And, and the game kind of more or less worked. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't everything I wanted it to be. But that was a huge kind of influence on some level for, for Talos too. after, you know, 20 mm. something years later going, what if we made a game about an expedition? Um, uh, so, so yeah, it just, it kind of comes from everywhere. Mm. Oh, nice. Wonderful. Uh, weirdly enough, I had never heard of uh, Rama until today i randomly saw some mention that someone might be trying to make a movie out of it or something i think morgan freeman was trying world. for for a long time to make a movie yeah out it was of morgan it. freeman was trying to produce it yeah yeah so it's a pretty okay. though the first book is, is pretty cool too because it's kind of um it's, it's mostly just concerned with this this expedition and exploration and and it doesn't spend that much time on uh, villains, I suppose, or or it's mm. it's it's kind of very simple. Um, it does have a plot, obviously, but it's it's I don't know. It just kind of deals with this idea of what if we went to this place um, in a very interesting way, uh, giving you a real sense of wonder. Um, nice. Do you ever play the dig? The dig, yes, yes. Um, it's 
I tried to replay it recently and I, I I didn't get on with it that well now like it 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 was a bit difficult to get into in places again but uh, yeah. I remember being very impressed with it uh, back then I, I know that I loved that one in my youth uh, you brought up something in there and this is this is I'm having a lot of fun get, getting to ask weird questions on this one um, but what are a lot of the you know philosophy is about asking questions as much or maybe more than it is about answering them what are some of the questions that you feel you bring up in the talos principles oh <laughs> um where do we start with this well the first one is very much about uh what makes a human being um and about materialism so is there is there something outside of matter um are we just machines uh, and is there any evidence that we aren't rather? Um, and what do we do with that? Like uh, the the central premise of the ta of the of, you know the the name comes from this fictional philosophical concept that that uh, we created for for the game, which is uh, based on the mythological figure of Talos, who was a machine man and who died when he lost his blood. And it's and it basically asks you, well, okay, no matter what you say about the soul or metaphysics or this or actually we're that. If you lose your blood, you die. Like your body is a machine, and as far as you can tell, that's what you are. Like, there might be more. I would not be opposed. It'd be great. <laughs> but as far as we can tell, this is what we have, and we have to deal with that. We have to do the best we can with what with what we've been given, and and to find you know meaning and dignity and all of these things inside of that, uh, rather than just imagining that there's something else. We can hope that there is, but, you know, we have to deal with the fact that this is what we've been dealt. Um, uh, so I think that was the, the, the kind of the big question of dealing with that and finding meaning in a material universe. Um, and there's also a sub-question, I think, in the first one already about civilization and the value of civilization because it's all about restarting civilization when it's kind of gone extinct. And a lot of people nowadays go like, oh, humans are a virus, blah, 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 blah. And um, and it was kind of well opposed to that. Uh, I mean, it presented that view a little bit, and then that I think becomes very big in the second one, which is our relationship with uh, with nature and the cosmos around us, and, and what is kind of our moral responsibility towards what surrounds us, if any. Um, and and where is that grounded? Like, on on what basis do we make moral decisions? You know, is there, mm -hmm. is there some universal set of laws of what's good and bad, and uh, or or where does it come from? Where is it just something that we humans uh, make up? Extinction being, for example, something that's raised in the game. Like, um, if a species goes extinct, is that bad? If so, if if yes, why? On what basis is that determined? Right, because. We would, for example, say, okay, uh, dolphins ranked extinct. Terrible, right? Awful. It's obvious to us. Some awful disease bacteria went extinct. Uh, yeah, terrible. Who gives a shit? Um, but why is it different? To nature, there's nothing in the world that you see that would make these two events different, right? Nothing. God does not intervene when dolphins die out or something. As far as the universe is concerned, it's all the same. There's no difference. So... We have to recognize that this judgment comes from us, which puts a certain responsibility on us to think about these things. 
um, and, and then kind of see where those consequences lead us. This isn't, this isn't to say that it's great, I want dolphins to go extinct, right? Um, you heard it here, folks. Jonas <laughs> Gratzis, enemy yeah. of dolphins. Fuck the dolphins. Yeah, I'm, I'm pitching <laughs> to the Volver that we just kill all do. dolphins. Um, <laughs> Helping contribute to dolphins. The Devolver Digital Dolphin Hunt. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> um, but again, we have to Brutal. think these things through rather than just appealing mm-hmm. to nature or whatever, you know, uh, con- to concepts like that kind of blindly. We have to think about these things. And I think from that then proceed a lot of questions about civilization and growth and... Um, and history, and I think the other big one. Sorry, Vern, I'm I'm giving the super long answer and covering everything. Um, the other very big one to me is that's in there is also history, which is the kind of the re- the relationship between the individual and history. So um, things happen around us, and we're not necessarily happy about them. Uh, I mean, I think nowadays we can all relate to that. The world's going in directions that we think are not fantastic, but what can we as individuals do? Uh, what is our ethical responsibility? Uh, and even if we act together, how can we change things? What happens when everyone disagrees with you? Um, that struggle, it's not an easy thing um, of how do, you, how do you change the direction of history? Can you change the direction of history? Or is it just playing out according to kind of material conditions that exist? Is there, you know, is, is everything kind of just determined by these historical kind of laws or is there any Mm. space in there for human beings to consciously push back and take control of some of these developments Um, which I certainly hope there is but sometimes it's very difficult to believe that there is which is why the other thing of Chris the game is about is is faith Um, and, Mm. and the necessity of having faith and the dangers of having faith but also the necessity of it because um, you, you know, it's you don't you won't have an answer to everything, and sometimes you'll have to keep fighting for something, even though it seems like you're going to lose, or the answer will only come long after you're dead, or uh, anything like that. So, to some questions, you 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 may end up having to find some kind of faith in something, uh, human beings or uh, God or whatever. For me, obviously, the thing that that matters is faith in in humanity, even when it's very difficult. Ooh. What could I possibly add to that? Um, are cats good pets? Should we pet the cat? Um, yes. <laughs> a lot of it is... Um, yes, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think um, a lot of it um, for me is about was about this... I have a personal pet peeve, which is this assumption that nature is naturally is, is inherently good and, and like technology is inherently evil, which a lot of people will will say. Like um, you offer some, I mean, this is like the most low hanging fruit of all arguments. But like you offer somebody a glass of water, they say oh, water is great, and you offer somebody a glass of whatever the chemical name for water is, hydrogen oxide. I think chemistry was the one. Hydrogen subject. dioxide. Yeah, something like that. I don't <laughs> know. This is the one um, <laughs> subject in school that I really flunked through, so I have no idea. Um, anyway, and they will go like, "No, take that chemical crap away from me," and and just like making people kind of question their assumptions about about things like this, about death, and like if it's that tired old potato of, um, you know, should humans live longer than they. Um, than what's our current lifespan because 
people mm. will naturally say, well, yeah, I'd get bored if I turn 150. And like, no, you wouldn't. You just <laughs> learn <laughs> Japanese or I don't know how to do mosaics. You'd, you'd be fine. Um, and so I think that's a lot of questions that yeah. I not necessarily wanted to answer, but like just wanted to make people ask themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something actually very important implied by that particular discussion there which is uh if you say that oh i would just get bored of of uh of life it really implies that life isn't very good um and and in and well in fact you should then think about why isn't life very good because certainly life is <laughs> incredibly interesting and there's lots of things in it and you know maybe the problem is what kind of world we live in and, and how we spend our lives it, you know, um, spending uh, 200 years working in a, uh, I don't know, cell phone store or something or, or uh, whatever other bizarre jobs there there are um, mm -hmm. it might not be great. But spending 200 years uh, loving people and learning about things and exploring and having fun and watching TV sounds pretty good. I think I could do that for quite a long time, maybe forever. And uh, there's a question in there of is life itself like valuable and if if we've kind of decided that life isn't what the hell is wrong with us life <laughs> <Nailed it. laughs> um have y'all ever read uh football in the year 17776 no, no? i oh shit I, you would uh, I, I know dig that i've it. heard of this but i, I don't actually even remember what it is oh uh, great Good, then just go find it. Football in the year 17776. It's a wonderful piece of science fiction um, that kind of just, it's, it's, it's also, it is, it is an optimistic science fiction kind of about an immortal human race. Okay, excellent. Um, well, excellent. And it involves cheerful AIs and, and scientific speculation or philosophical speculation on things and, and stuff like that. Um. Really wonderful. Also, uh, Verena, I, I do really appreciate your very zen response to all of that. Like, is it good to pet cats? What a, what a wonderful zen response to these <laughs> questions. <laughs> like, but I can pet a cat. Um, yeah, dang. Lots of, lots of big stuff in there. This is the part where I say I can edit these pauses out. I, I, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think of shit, man, but I'm just like... Uh, but yeah. We killed the podcast, Jonas. We killed it. I'm it's sorry. Now. No, we're simple. We're slow. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to know where to... where to You know, like, I just want to, like, start talking about philosophy. Like, you know, um, there's those... You know, you, Jonas, you brought up those perspectives of the human race as a, as a virus and stuff like that that people have. And it's, you know, it's interesting because the colonial mindset of humans in, in certain groups are, you know, cancerous or viral in their behaviors towards their environment. Um, but that's not, but because that's, you know, been the dominant paradigm of our worlds doesn't mean that that is what humans are because, um, like, the American West People came out here from Europe and they're like, oh, look at this untouched wilderness, this wild, wonderful, untouched, you know, perfect place. Let's get all these these people out of here. But they didn't really involve themselves with this environment. Let's, let's get all these natives out of here. 
Um, but the truth is that the Native Americans had been well. I mean, and North and South. I mean, a lot, a lot of indigenous peoples, human beings, all directly impact their environment. And in fact, the like um, in like the American West, a lot of these tribes were behaved and considers themselves um, what we would call custodians of their environment. They did controlled burns and these sorts of things that helped the forests to stay and grow. And when white people came in and wiped them out and were like, oh, we got to leave these forests untouched and untampered with, suddenly these forests aren't, they're having bigger fires than they used to have because they had not, in fact, been untouched by human hands for thousands of years. And so... I don't know, you kind of bring up that, like, I don't know, the, the, the consciousness, the, the, the awareness of our place in things implies a responsibility? Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's a complex question because, um, like I said, I don't, uh, I come from a, huh, some people will say, oh, that's like human supremacist. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. You can call me that. I don't care. Uh, I do find that ultimately intelligence and, and those things are the, the most valuable things about human beings. Uh, and, and human beings are, to me, the, like inherently terrifyingly valuable. Like it's, it's incredibly important that you know, we continue to, to do what we're doing. But, um, but there is a, not necessarily just a responsibility, but a way of dealing with things that is conscious and deliberate see understanding that mm -hmm. we require ecosystem services to survive and we also on an on a let's say aesthetic or, or moral level we we treasure uh the things that surround us or certain things that are not all of them right like we don't love mosquitoes um uh, but but, there's, but there's plenty of things that that we do treasure, and we we need to often take conscious action to maintain these in the state that we want them maintained in. Right? Nature doesn't necessarily care. Nature's going to wipe all of this out anyway in a few thousand years, and then there'll be a new set of things, and so on. That just keeps happening, and we we might go, no, but I want to keep this one. I like this species. This is cool, um, and uh, and. Of course, we have to be a little bit careful, like the example you picked. I mean, it's a good example that you picked there. But of course, you know, the natives are equally building cities and doing things and establishing trade routes. And, you know, we, we also tend to kind of always imagine that there's some more natural humans living somewhere else and we're the sinful ones. But but that itself is kind of a, often a fantasy. Um, it, the, the land wasn't unspoiled, right? The land was inhabited. It was enormous, and it wasn't as thickly inhabited as Europe, but, but it was inhabited by thriving civilizations uh, that may very well over time have also expanded and have, have also done a lot of things that other people did. The, the, the bad part is the bit where they, they murdered everyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and the clear-cutting yeah. was a new concept. <laughs> Yeah, no, sure, sure. There's there's a lot of things that, that you know, uh, but, but humans have always intervened and there's nothing necessarily bad about this um, mm -hmm. because it's it's normal. We intervene to, you know, uh, get resources from our environment just like every other species does. Uh, so you're saying these questions are easy to answer. 
And the answers are available to anyone who plays the Talos Principle too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what we, we want to deal with in Talos 2 is also just questions of can we do what we have done but do it right, do it consciously, <laughs> not do it randomly. Um, can we, you know, because I think control over nature is generally a good thing, but it has to be done consciously. It has to be done right. Uh, it has to be done within parameters that we establish are ethical to us, but they have to be ethical from our perspective, not from appealing to some magical natural forces that don't exist. Because I think when you go for that, you can end up with some also very dangerous, uh, extremely reactionary ideas, because there's lots of stuff that I think is pretty good that's not natural, like fixing people's diseases or their organs or... Uh, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, lifestyles that some people say are unnatural and that, you know, don't benefit anything in nature. And humans do things our way. And there's actually, that's wonderful. It's wonderful that to some degree we are freed from having to justify everything in terms of survival. Mm. Freedom. Horrible freedom. Yeah, we should probably do more jokes. Um, yeah. <laughs> should we talk about video games? Uh, what uh, what games do you enjoy that are out there that inspire you both? Like, what games do you like? I mean, I played like five video games in my life, and two of them were Tetris and uh, Minesweeper. Um, no, that's a lie. Okay, that puzzle classics. games. Classics, Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Squares. A lie. I um I really enjoy um open world RPGs um Ooh. and I think what are games that I really I mean obviously Oblivion as flawed as it is and Skyrim um <laughs> you know uh and uh, I still sometimes wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking of goblin warlords um that <laughs> was that what they were called or goblin shamans anyway that was the enemy that you were in, in oblivion at some point that was the only enemy that you would encounter and uh, anyway yes um still have <laughs> nightmares from that i think my uh, my favorite game series of all time is borderlands I, mm. I mean i'm not so much a fan of three i mean it's not that it's terrible it's just it didn't draw me as much as the other as one and two but i really love those and um, rimworld Rimworld, Rimworld, yeah, very, very narrative-heavy game there. Um, <laughs> uh, Stardew Valley. Uh, uh, Stardew Valley. Love Stardew Valley. I love it. <laughs> um, John has helped me. There must be other games that I've played. I'm blanking. And um, enjoy it. I don't, I don't I know. Mean, a lot of building games. You've played a lot of building games. Zoo Tycoon. Skylines, Zoo Tycoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you say something tends to play, she, she tends to play one game for 2,000 years. Like she'll just yes. play it and then play it to <laughs> death. It's like, I'm playing Oblivion. I'm collecting every pair of pants in the world and putting them into one drawer yeah. until the game crashes. <laughs> um, like, that's, yeah. yeah, true story. Um, no, I mean, yes. Also, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit true, but yeah, I broke, um, I broke my Oblivion save game because... Um, if you play long enough, there's some kind of memory memory leak, and all the lighting effects die. Um, yeah, but you also collected like every spoon in the game world, I think, or whatever it was. Like, um, very very strange. 
very strange habits there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Borderlands was fun. We played that in co-op with friends, and it was it was yeah. nice that way. Uh, back when co-op games were also kind of rare. Um, now there's mm-hmm. there's just tons of them. Um, okay, what I, what do I play? I, I again I play kind of all over the place. Um, I do like shooters. Um, my favorite game kind of combines the shooting and the RPGing and all that. So that's Stalker: Shadow of Chernobyl, and it's two kind of oh, semi sequels. Um, I have played those for infinite hours. Um, that's kind of my my jam, really. Um, games that have a world that you can sink into that start feeling uh, like you know the rules. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I play lots of different things. Um, I used to play a lot of adventure games, but then I got tired of the puzzles. Which um, mm. is funny because now I, all I do is puzzle <laughs> games. Uh, <laughs> but they were very different puzzles. Um, RPGs, uh, obviously a big favorite. I love the um, Gothic 1 and 2. Great games if anyone's played them. Um, uh, Fallout, obviously. 1 and 2 are the ones that... Uh, close to my heart Uh, Fallout Fallout 1 I think Fallout 1 was the most transformative experience for me I still remember holding the box in my hands going out of the shop and and holding that box and being like this is going to change everything Um, and just for once it really did Uh, very big Mm -hmm. XCOM fan uh, the original Mm -hmm. XCOM Um, I was uh, lucky enough to work with Julian Gollop later on, on Phoenix Point uh, kind of a difficult project, but uh, Julian was very cool. Um, and uh, um, I don't know. I really like Rage too, and I'm like the only one who does. But um, I just really like a good shooter where I can also punch the ground and people go flying. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the occasional kind of more visceral game. Like I, I do like something story driven. Um, I was a very big fan of Days Gone that came out uh, a couple of years ago. Um, Mm. Kind of sold as a zombie game. It's not really that zombie biker game, but it's a beautiful love story and really fun game, really well written. But honestly, when I'm spending my whole day writing philosophy stuff, I could really do with punching some people in the face after that. (laughs) Um, So uh, yeah. it is true. Video games make you violent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am looking forward to Angerfoot just because <laughs> you know I, mm-hmm. I like I like kicking people. Ever since Dark Messiah, I just want more games where I kick people. <laughs> you are in luck. There is a lot of that in Angerfoot. Yeah, I know. When I was at Gamescom, I just st- stood there trying to get through the levels by only kicking people and, and never shooting anyone, and I got quite far. So, so. Um, I, I am I am good at kicking things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I can go on and on and on. I I I, I do enjoy video games. I, I have more trouble lately sometimes finding what I want because I think I've just gotten very. I don't know. I I think my needs have become very specific. Um, yeah. I think that's mostly because of working in games so much. So you kind mm. of. You have a, a, um, a narrow range of things that you want to play because you're working on other things that are maybe similar. Like I don't, I don't play a lot of story-driven stuff when I'm writing a story because it's, it's already what I'm doing all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I find there might be like new world fatigue for me. 
mm-hmm. it comes to starting a new game. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to learn about a new place mm-hmm. that doesn't exist that I'm going to have to let go of when I finish this game. <laughs> I don't want to get to know these characters that don't exist that I'm going to have to let go of when I finish this game. I, I don't know. I can. <laughs> to me, it's not a fatigue, but I have a, a kind of a threshold that I need to, mm. like, just in a... I think, okay, no, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to engage with this. But I have it with a lot of things now, just I think even with like television or something, just because I'm uh, tired from working a lot or or whatever. And I'm like, uh, I need to convince myself that I want to engage with this art and the art needs to convince me that I want to engage with it, Mm. Uh, which is kind of a shame and probably not how it should be, but it is how it is for me. There's a lot of art not worth engaging with in the world. That's also true. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're also tired and burned out from just life and negativity and all these things that we sometimes don't mm. don't engage with things deeply enough or don't give them a chance just because we're kind of, yeah, you know, we, we're coming at it with a sort of heaviness already. Mm-hmm. Right, that's mostly you. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, um, yeah. Thank you both for joining us. Jared or, or any either of y'all, can you think of anything that we should have said that we have failed to say? This has mm. just been a wonderful conversation, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish I, we were just doing this around a table. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can. I mean, we can go into any of this further if you guys want to. I'm uh, sorry if I talk too much. It's a problem. No, no, no. Uh, mm-hmm. no, no. Well, we're we're at the we're at the hour mark for how long we generally make these podcasts. You can cut go one forward. of the embarrassing bits. Oh no! no, no. <laughs> all in. Otherwise, all in. I just wouldn't be in the podcast anymore. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, thank you both so much for being here and talking about this stuff with us. It's, it's yeah, really fun and interesting. Um, should do it again sometime. Should just make a Talos Principle 3 so we have an excuse. Huh. Uh, we would like to very much. Uh, we know where it would go. Um, <laughs> so that may happen. Nice. Yeah, see you in nine years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I hope not. I almost said something not optimistic about the future. <laughs> uh. Ah, if we're still here, you mean in nine years. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh. yeah. No, I mean, look, you have to recognize the reality. Uh, being optimistic doesn't mean you tell yourself, oh, it's all going to be fine. It's more sure. about we can keep trying to do something about it, and people are generally decent on the inside. Most people are generally yeah. decent, and they would like a better future. That right now we're headed straight for a giant toilet is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear. Well, you know what? We should take a little time to talk about optimism, though, and the value and importance of optimism, though, because studies have shown that pessimists have a more accurate perception of reality. Um, but that optimism in, in the past tense, like like there's a I had a book on how to be an optimist but it talked about pessimists like if if someone if two people take a test and one is generally an optimist and the other is generally a pessimist the pessimist has an accurate perception of how many questions they missed whereas the optimist does not 
So, but optimists, more good things happen with optimism because you keep trying and you keep doing things. And if you keep trying, you're more likely to find more success, just statistically speaking. Because if you don't try, then you you can't succeed. Because, well, you can sometimes. I mean, look at me and Jared. But... The no. jury's still out on this. Still out. <laughs> That's fair, fair. Um, but like, you know, if you if you have an optimistic mindset and if you just go and you try and you just say yes, yes and to things, um, you're more likely to succeed because you trying increases your likelihood of success. So if we are trying to veer the ship of humanity out of the toilet bowl into which we continue to spin, if we try then we can. Although a toilet bowl is a bad metaphor because it's got porcelain on the sides and you can't really get out of a toilet if your boat that's in a toilet. But you understand that I'm going to cut all this part out. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, leave it in, leave it in. People can imagine the little noises that your hands would make as you "Eh, eh," are trying to get out of the bowl. Uh, (laughs) Scramble out of the... Yeah. Anyways. Um... That's uh, that's the future, uh, but but we may hope that we will encounter a crusty heart bit on the side of the thing that we can hold on to. Just... <laughs> yes, that, that's optimism. Yes. <laughs> that is optimism. And speaking of the crusty hard bit on the side of the toilet of humanity, did you know that you can follow Devolver Digital on X Twitter at Devolver Digital? <laughs> So the segue, we the beginning, we found it by the end. We found the proper segue. Yeah, <laughs> like, we just gotta work toilets in any conversation, and I'll segue I, it to it. I think we've just found the entire you know new marketing direction for Devolver. Um, <laughs> the, the crusty bits underneath the, to- the lip of the toilet, oh, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh good uh, boy. perfect, perfect. Uh, that's see, philosophy solves yeah, many questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you have an opinion on whether or not Devolver is the crusty bit on the side of a toilet? You can go to discord.gg slash Devolver Digital. We have a forecast channel where you can discuss these philosophical concepts and many more. In the event of a fire, please go to Instagram and follow Devolver Digital. It won't help you not die in a fire, but you'll get to see some ads before you go. Hey, Boomer, are you still on Facebook? So am I. And so is Devolver Digital. You can follow Devolver Digital on Facebook for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. For some reason. <laughs> TikTok, motherfuckers. We're there, too. I'm crying. <laughs> Is that... Uh, oh, in the event of cabin pressure loss, go to twitch.tv slash Devolver Digital to watch occasional streams of Devolver Digital games played by me, JM. Should you mention Karma Zoo? Oh shit! We were. I said that we were supposed to talk about how Karmazoo came out, Jared, and Karma you didn't Zoo let me talk out, about yeah. it. I just, you I kept was, interrupting I was me until the you know the 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 toilet bowl talk. I was like, <laughs> I had it on my list here. Speaking of optimism and delightful games, have y'all seen Karmazoo? Do y'all know about Karmazoo? I have, you should check I out have, Karmazoo. I would like to play Karmazoo. I have ne- never had time at a convention. It's. Not for playing at a convention, because yeah. at conventions we couldn't get you hooked up with nine other strangers people, to yeah. play a delightful platformer about teamwork and politeness and uh, just being nice to each other. And uh, yeah, Karmazoo is a joy and a delight, and you can buy it now and play it now. After you buy the Talos Principle too. 
That too. Have to yeah, buy the yeah, Talos yeah. Principle too. <laughs> Presumably, you've often already bought it. Buy a copy for your friends, and then we'll mm-hmm. allow you to buy Karma Zoo. <laughs> so generous. There you go. So generous, Jonas. <laughs> um well yeah thank you both for being here uh thank you for having us yeah goodbye everybody bye-bye bye bye just put a flushing sound